Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm home. I mean, I realize I've been here basically all week for you people, but I haven't actually sat in this chair that is now armless. The arm of the chair in the studio has fallen off. I tell you, this is a a workplace hazard OSHA violation waiting to happen. Uh, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Them's the numbers. I look. So here's the thing. Um, I have not had a chance to talk to you guys all week. We've had technical difficulties. I might have had to pre-record once or twice. Uh, I had to be in New York City, and when I could do the show, we couldn't even get the technical capabilities to be able to do the phone calls. Uh, I had guest hosts, so we're just, it's a Friday evening. We'll open up the phone lines, and you can set the conversation of the show. Other than this... Buddy of mine just texted me, first live show in a year, huh? I am have a finger in the air for him, but he can't see it. Um, so I last night uh, held 220 people hostage, fairly literally, just not at gunpoint with my glare, until they raised $200,000 for SAFT, a, a foster family program uh, that helps kids in need, helps rebuild lives and families. A great event up in Milton last night. Uh, wonderful people who helped this organization raise uh, necessary funds. And what was so good about it is that this is a group that had a budget, and this is the budget we need to meet. It wasn't, uh, we'll do all sorts of elaborate things if we get here. It was, a, we need this much money to exist, and they raised it. Uh, good for them. Uh, and Brian and Ashley, who run the um, program staff, they put on a great event. Uh, City of Refuge was there. Wonderful, wonderful organization. And so many others, I was just delighted to be able to help them. Uh, Christy and I contributed as well. They didn't pay me anything. People thought they were paying me money, and I was just giving it back. Nope, nope, out of our own pocket. Uh, and now we've got a bunch of news uh, from the president. It Maybe the president just has diarrhea. I don't know. The calm before the storm could be that. Uh, he, maybe he's taken some Pepto, and we don't know what's about to happen. I don't We'll get into that. I actually, I've said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to start the show with it. Harvey Weinstein. And what's happening with him, the sexual harassment of Hollywood actresses, 
Uh, first of all, can I just ask, am I allowed to ask, who asks Ashley Judd to watch them take a shower instead of asking to watch Ashley Judd take a shower? I just, I mean, if you're Harvey Weinstein, this is, am I allowed to say that on radio? I just think this, there's a psychological problem right there. Uh, and then my buddy Aaron here, I got that idea from him and it's all his fault anyway. So now listen. I actually do not want to make jokes about the issue, but I want to say something important about the issue. And what I want to begin by saying is that both sides have to clean their own houses or others will do it for them painfully. And both sides, left and right, conservative, liberal, progressive, Democrat, Republican, Christian, secularist. They all have people they wish to be around and they let slide and they shouldn't because of power and the acquisition of power and the wanting to be near power. Your sins will find you out. And it is amazing to me how few people stood up and spoke up when so many clearly knew what was happening. We now know. Okay. Can I just say, shut up, Hollywood? Because Hollywood has done movies about sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. They've done movies about the gun industry. They've done movies about uh, the cigarette lobby. They've done all of these preachy movies and many of these movies we now know were funded by abusers, people they knew were abusing others. They were lecturing President Trump on what he said about women on that Access Hollywood tape. The president may have talked the talk, but Harvey Weinstein was literally walking the walk. They apologized for, protected, covered up for, and helped Bill Clinton, Bill Cosby. Harvey Weinstein and others, all while telling us that, that we were doing things wrong, that we were bad people. Meryl Streep had the audacity to get on stage and lecture us and lecture the president on his treatment of others while she's taking selfies with Harvey Weinstein. Well, it was apparently an open secret in Hollywood, an open secret. They all knew. All of them knew. And it's not just him. There are men in Hollywood who abuse young men and young women. There are women in Hollywood who abuse young men and women. And it's all about the acquisition of power and the access to power and the use of power. And they use their power to advance their liberal agenda and they cover it up. And you know Harvey Weinstein knows how the game is played. Look at his apology. Where I'm going to take time out and I'm going to go after the NRA now. And so they're all going to be quiet. They're going to say no comment. So Hollywood, shut up. Stop lecturing the rest of us on how we live our lives uh, stop lecturing us on our values. You've covered up for monsters. You are the monster. You've apologized for them. You've defended them. You've used them. You've used their money to advance your agenda. You've turned a blind eye to it because of what they could give. You covered up the abuser and then had the audacity to lecture the rest of us on our values. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this as a life lesson for my children and remind them with regularity when this sort of stuff comes up that there are monsters in the world like Harvey Weinstein 
And Hollywood would have us believe that we should live our lives a certain way while Hollywood was covering up for the monsters and using the monsters and being funded by the monsters. And I want my kids to know that that's what Hollywood is. When Hollywood tries to tell them they're to live their lives in a certain way, that they should do exactly the opposite of what Hollywood wants. Otherwise, the only lesson from this is that Hollywood puts abusers in charge as long as they believe the right things according to Hollywood values. And they're okay with the abusers in charge. And they prop them up and they give them Academy Awards and they take selfies with them as long as they continue to believe the right things according to Hollywood. And what we now know, what we've always known but have so much more clarity about today, is that when Hollywood thinks something is right or someone is right and someone should be heralded, you should probably run the other way. What is your guess on the calm before the storm? Has the president just got an upset stomach? Is it drama? Is he just trying to boost the ratings? What do you think it is? 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, this is a short segment. When we come back, I'll tell you what I think is going on. Because I think a lot of people miss what happened last night in the run-up to his comment. Uh, but first, though, I just I got to tell you guys, uh, this event last night, the, the SAFT event, it was it was a really good event. First of all, it was at a, the manor up in Milton. Holy cow. Uh, I want to live in that neighborhood. Um, some some really just that was impressive. Um, good people. And just beautiful event. We had the former White House chef. He was uh, Bill Clinton and George W. Bush's uh, White House chef. He had also worked for George H.W. Bush, but wasn't the chef at the White House. He was a sous chef and he raised a lot of money for a very good cause. And if you guys want to check it out, S-A-F-F-T, uh, SAFT is the organization uh, for foster kids and foster families and rebuilding families and handling adoptions. When we come back, though, what did the president mean by calm before the storm? We'll take your calls. I'll tell you what I think as well. team has been meeting behind closed doors today in Washington with a group of lawyers representing some unknown party and the chief judge of the U.S. District Court in D.C. Interesting. Something's going on. What's going on with this calm before the storm stuff? The president's now said it twice. Okay, let me give you my gut take immediate reaction and my thought about it contemplated it a little longer reaction. Gut take immediate reaction is this is a man who loves TV ratings. Uh, telling you something like that, you're going to keep tuning in, see what the Trump administration does. But my more thoughtful, prolonged thing is they put the lid on at the White House last night before any of this happened. 
Now, for those of you who don't know, that's what they call it. Put a lid on it. Uh, when it's close of day, no more news is to be made. The president's taking no more meetings. Uh, there's nothing happening. The president's going up to the private residence. Uh, you reporters can go home. We promise nothing's going to happen. So they put the lid on it last night at the White House. Nothing else was on the schedule. And then they have to call all of the reporters back and say, uh, the, so after you guys went home, the presidents had a meeting with the generals. They all came to the White House, and we want you to see the president and see that he was meeting with the generals. And then the president says this. Um, the president of the United States wouldn't have a meeting with generals that's off the books after putting the lid on at the White House without something going on. The reaction from most people, the gut reaction from all of this in this pattern is that it's about North Korea. I'm going to go out a limb here and say it's not about North Korea, but about Iran. Because a number of the generals are opposed to the president uh, getting rid of the Obama agreement with Iran. And General Mattis is one of the individuals who has urged the president not to do it. And my guess is the president brought the generals to the White House last night to let them know that, in fact, he is going to get out of the Iranian agreement. That What's taking so long is he's waiting for a bipartisan sanctions package to be prepared. Now, when I say bipartisan, it's a small number of Democrats, but there are some Democrats who have long been vocally opposed to the Obama administration's deal, and they don't want the Iran deal, and they're happy to work with Republicans to repeal it. So that, I think, is what's happening here. The president telling the generals what's coming, that is the calm before the storm, uh, that the, the poop will hit the proverbial fan when we get out of the deal. The Iranians will feel emboldened to lash out, uh, and we will have to hold fast and hold firm. Remember, there were a lot of European countries that got out, uh, broke away from sanctions packs they had on dealing with Iran because of this deal. They could wheeze a lot of things that they were otherwise forced to do. And we're going to have to try to corral them back into punitive sanctions on Iran for funding terrorism. That's going to be very difficult, but I think the president makes the right decision by getting rid of the Iran deal. I think that's what this is about. I could possibly be wrong. It could be North Korea, and it could just be a ratings ploy something. But the Iran deal makes sense, and I do believe that we're going to get that repeal next week. Uh, we got a big repeal today from the president. 404 WSB Talk. Them's the numbers. Why, I'm going to take my first caller of the entire week. So, Dave and Smyrna, you better not screw up, Dave. You are going to set the bar real low if you do. Okay. Um, my opinion, and in one quick interjection, this might be a shakeup within the FBI, you know, the ongoing investigation into the Russian collusion and so forth. Uh, and I would like to ask your listeners to research former FBI chief Ted Gunderson, a born-again Christian. Ted Gunderson, research him. And that's my comment. Well, thank you very much for your comment. You know, it looks like there may be a shakeup 
dead. We might trip over that bar. It's low now. I'm just going to say that. Love you, buddy, but got to step up there. You were the first caller this entire week. Nonetheless, like Elizabeth Warren, I shall persist. And I will say that there probably is going to be a shakeup. But it's going to be at the State Department, not the FBI. And the FBI, well, they seem to like the, the new guy there. At the State Department, though, they seem to really not like Rex Tillerson. And he, I, I will say, like I said the other day, I maintain the big story here is not that Tillerson called the president a moron. I would be shocked if he didn't. I think the big story is that we still got people in these meetings leaking. At the same time, uh, multiple news outlets are confirming that Tillerson was called to the White House and lectured by the president about what he said. An angry president, no less. And the president would like to take uh, Pompeo, the CIA chief, and make him the secretary of state. You know, I got to tell you, I really hope they don't make Nikki Haley secretary of state. I mean, I really want her to be Secretary of State. I think she would be an awesome Secretary of State. But I think she in New York kind of can do her own thing and drive a diplomatic agenda for the president. And if she's in Washington, uh, she's going to get bogged down by the State Department bureaucracy in the same way Tillerson did. Up there, she runs a lean, mean machine, and she can get things done. And I don't. And she's so effective up there, I would, I would hate for her to get bogged down in Washington, D.C. Uh, maybe Pompeo would be a good job. I just, I don't have very much respect for Tillerson. I'll tell you, I talked to two different senators who told me that Tillerson has no friends in the administration or on Capitol Hill, that nobody thinks highly of him as Secretary of State. Nobody believes he really acts as Secretary of State. They think the White House does everything, and they think he's walled himself off and isn't a very good manager of people at the State Department. So if that's the case, maybe it is time to replace him. Ted Gunderson called. He wants the last call back. Phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. we got to have somebody else set another standard for callers tonight. We're going to take your phone calls when we come back. We're also moving on. I may get back into the Harvey Weinstein stuff, but the president has finally, finally, nine months in, walked back the Obama administration um, demands that employers provide birth control for their employees, and the left is having a meltdown about it. Uh, how dare they tell an employer that the employer doesn't have to provide you birth control? <gasps> well, you know, if the Democrats would go along with the president's tax cut plan, they're all going to get about 100 bucks a month. That should cover their birth control, or they could just, I mean, I don't know, restrain themselves, maybe, I possibly, you would think. I mean, uh, now, it's, I'm, no, I'm not going to say that because that's just going to get me in trouble. There will be no references. Never mind. The Energizer Bunny. Nope, nope, we're not going there. I'm just going to tell you, though, but there are alternatives for, for people who just can't control themselves. There are cold showers. I just say this whole idea that it is a constitutional right for you to get your birth control paid for by the government. No, it's not. Uh, you, you, you selfish, selfish person. There are poor people who need that money to be fed 
and you're using it to swallow a pill instead or something else. Lord knows what else. I, I, I want nothing to do with that. This should be a choice between an employer and an employee, and you can go work somewhere else if you don't like it. Good on the president to do this. And Jeff Sessions has issued some religious liberty guidance. And, of course, the left is upset about this as well. The, y'all, I'm sorry, but I just do not see it as being a viable winning campaign strategy for the Democrats to run in 2018 on give us your guns, bake us our cakes, and give us our birth control. I just I don't see that that's going to be a winning strategy. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just don't see that. Oh, and, and let us allow men into women's bathrooms, please, or else you're a bigot. I, I don't see that that's a winning strategy. Uh, maybe it is in certain parts of the country. and I don't know, but this whole culture war thing, can we have no respite from it? We'll get into that when we come back. Don't forget, you can text the word SHOW to 444-999 to sign up for the daily email and get the podcast. amazing to see a bunch of people who say I really don't have a right to keep and bear arms even though the constitution says I do believe they have a right to free birth control it, it really is amazing uh, go work for someone else At Massachusetts says they're going to sue Oh, why does it Massachusetts provide free birth control just ridiculous just ridiculous um, but you know what the left, they'll do things like this. Y'all, I want to I want to go back to the Harvey Weinstein thing. I know, I know, but just, just bear with me here for a minute. I am mindful that a lot of you vehemently disagreed with me last year on my position on the election. And uh, I can't tell you the organized campaign we had around here to try to get me fired because of it. And we had people show up on our doorstep at our house to threaten me and my family. We had to have guards at our house. Um, and uh, people telling me I had to reconsider. We had a lady in, in our church tell my wife that she wanted to punch me in the face. It was crazy. And I just I couldn't do it. And I know many of you wanted me to do it. And I've had many of you very kindly come up to me this year and tell me how much you disagreed with me, but you appreciated that I at least explained why. And and whether you agreed with me or not, you appreciated that I I stuck to my principles. And there can be a cost to sticking to your principles. Uh, Sticking to your principles, more often than not, there is a cost. I write, write about this in my book to my kids, that they need to do what's right, not what's liked, even if what's right costs them something. And oftentimes it will cost you something. It costs you something to speak up. And I I really felt strongly last year taking my faith more and more seriously as I've been in seminary and and my values and principles seriously that I just I couldn't support him. Uh, Not that I would support the other side, but I couldn't support him. And I've been pleasantly surprised with the number of things he's done since he's been elected. Uh, but there are still things that he does that I dislike, and I'm willing to say so. 
I'm willing to say nice things about him and critical things about him. And you should see some of the, the people, some of the, a couple blue hairs in particular who lose it on Twitter and, or Facebook every time I dare say something not nice about the president. The, the only thing as corrupting as being a yes man to the president in all cases is being a no man to the president in all cases. Uh, blind hatred of the president is as corrupting as blind loyalty to the president. Uh, you should have your principles and your faith uh, ahead of everything else. Y'all, both sides, I firmly believe, have to be willing to call out the bad actors on their own side and to hold those in positions of power accountable. And I think both sides do a very bad job of it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm no fan of Steve Bannon and these leaks in emails that have come out about uh, Breitbart just reinforce in my mind that he's, he's not a good influence on American politics, even if there are things that I agree with him on. I see people in this Harvey Weinstein thing. For example, the Democratic National Committee has decided they're going to give the $30,000 that he gave them away. Who are they giving it to? Democratic political action groups like Emily's List, a supposed feminist group. It's just Basically, it's moving it from their checking account to their savings account, as, as somebody noted on Twitter. And Harvey Weinstein's going to get away with this because he's friends with all the right people and enemies of all the people that those people are, are enemies of. He, he doesn't like Christians. He is a secularist. He doesn't like conservatives. He, he doesn't like pro-lifers. And so he can get away with this. He hates the NRA, so he can get away with this. And over time, I think one of the main reasons that, that I feel so strongly that when the president does things I disagree with that I need to speak up about them is because I got really, really frustrated in George W. Bush's administration where people that I had long respected as conservatives uh, were selling out the conservative movement, that if Bush said something was conservative, it was conservative. I mean, there is a very prominent uh, talk radio show host who, when George W. Bush nominated Harriet Myers, went out of his way to talk about how, what an awesome pick it was. Uh, a buddy of mine wrote a, a piece parodying the, that radio monologue saying um, it was great. It was a poop sandwich, but it was grade B, but edible, delicious. Um, no, I think when, when your side is serving up a poop sandwich, you you got to call them out on it. you got to be willing to say the emperor has no clothes. And the left is increasingly unwilling to do that uh, because everything in the left has become political. So the left is willing to associate with the Roman Polanskis and the the um, Woody Allens and the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. What's really amazing and interesting to me is that I, I suspect if Bill Cosby were white, uh, the Hollywood left that champions racial equality would be sticking with Bill Cosby. Yeah, think about that one for a minute, how they've thrown him under the bus. Bill Cosby, of course, you know, has spoken out about school choice before and how you raise your kids. It's just, it's striking to me how both sides do this, though. And, and we, so many on, on our side want to cast dispersion on the left, deservedly so. But I got to tell you, there were a lot of pastors out there who either defended the president or turned a blind eye to the Access Hollywood tape and didn't want to say anything unless they hurt him. When you do that with people, at some point they think they get a pass. Harvey Weinstein is someone who decided he could get a pass.
One of the greatest pieces of advice I have ever gotten in my life when I started radio came from Rush Limbaugh, who told me that I would need to hire for myself someone who could tell me when I screwed up because I would get to a position where no one would. And it has been a piece of advice I have taken to heart uh, and have tried to find people to place around me who are willing to tell me when I screw up because there are a lot of people who they just they want to be in your shadow. And I'm just a, a, a local radio show host in Atlanta and still find that to happen. You've got people who abuse their power and they know they can get away with it because the people who should be calling on them to account, the people who should be telling them they're doing wrong, the people who should be their friend enough to say repent, don't do it. I mean, a lot of people talk about the, the don't judge not lest she be judged. They take that sermon completely out of context from what it actually means in the Bible, or they focus on the, the woman who the Pharisees wanted to, to stone and uh, Jesus says, uh, cast the first stone, you have not sinned. And they, they ignore the fact that he says, go and sin no more to the woman. If you're not willing to hold your own side accountable, someone's going to come along and hold your own side accountable. And when your side is ultimately held accountable, because your sins will be found out, when your own side is held accountable, you're going to lose your credibility on being able to hold others to account. You're going to lose your credibility. Yeah, it can be painful sometimes. It can be scary. It is not without risks to speak up. There was a story that isn't getting a ton of coverage today about Harvey Weinstein that he threw a reporter out onto the street and tried to bash his head in. And photographers for major newspapers were there on the street taking pictures of the fight, and it never made it into the papers because the papers wanted access to him. The papers wanted to be friends. He put people at the papers on the payroll. He bought people. But it's not just the left that does that. And I know that. I can't tell you how many times I've been offered nice things to do certain things on the right. One of many reasons I'm glad I don't live in Washington. It makes me makes it a lot easier for me. I'm not a hero here. I, I don't have some stronger intestinal fortitude than you guys. I just live in Georgia, so I'm away from it. It makes it easy for me to be able to say no. But what lesson are we teaching our children when we have monsters in our midst who we know are monsters and we say nothing on our side or their side? Forget the whataboutism. Forget forget if you're on the left. Forget the what about Trump. What about what about Bannon? What about this guy? What about that guy? Well, what about Bill Clinton? What about Bill Cosby? What about Harvey Weinstein? What about KCF? Like what about all these other people? Hold your own house accountable. Clean your own house. Clean it before someone else does. Hollywood no longer has any credibility on all the, the moral concerns they like to preach about because they sat with this monster taking selfies year after year after year, all of them knowing what was going on and all of them refusing to say something because he had the potential to make them stars. Never, ever forget that.
Y'all, the downside of having a radio program from 5 to 7 is I'm mindful many of you have children in the car right now, and there are things I want to say that I am not going to say because you have kids in your car. But I am going to say this, and it is kid-friendly. You don't have to change the channel. If you think that the government of the United States must provide your contraception, please, Delta is ready when you are to get you to a new country where you can live. Because that ain't in your constitution in the United States of America. And you said you were going to leave the country anyway when Donald Trump became president, so let's just hold you to your promise and go. Massachusetts is going to sue the federal government for not making employers provide something. Massachusetts could do it. Massachusetts could force Massachusetts employers to do it. But Massachusetts wants the federal government to force every employer to do it. And what this really gets to, there's a story out there today that a, a group of Christians were in a coffee shop in Seattle, Washington, and were thrown out of the place uh, by the gay owner of the of the coffee shop because he was offended that these Christian activists were there. So the the gay coffee shop owner doesn't have to serve the Christians, but the Christians have to serve the gay coffee shop owner if he wants a cake for his same-sex wedding. Think about that for a minute. That is the logic of the left. There is it's not tolerance. I will say again, as I have said repeatedly and will continue to repeat, evil preaches tolerance until it is dominant, and then it seeks to silence good. And that is what we are seeing in this country. We are seeing it on the contraception debate. We're seeing it on the Christian persecution. On and on and on it goes. It is Eric Erickson, and it is 38 after the hour, and we're going to get rained this weekend from another hurricane. Uh, late Friday into Monday, my kids have a four-day weekend because of <gasps> Indigenous Peoples Day, according to the Austin, Texas City Council. Uh, the rest of us know as Columbus Day. I don't know why my kids get Columbus Day off from school, but they do. They get Monday and Tuesday off. Longoria, this story is for you. You will get a great laugh from the story. The Houston Astros had pregame ceremonies at their last baseball game, and it included a large Puerto Rican flag draped over the field next to a bigger American flag to honor the U.S. territory that was devastated recently by a hurricane, according to the Boston Herald. To quote the Boston Herald, George Springer brought the Puerto Rican flag out with him when he was introduced and waved it back and forth to big applause. It was the Texas flag. <laughs> was not the Puerto Rican flag. It was the Houston Astros bringing the Texas flag onto the baseball field. Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, and my grandmother nearly came out on me because I started to say he brought it out on the football field to play baseball. <laughs> I'll never forget one time watching watching a football game with my grandmother, and they made a touchdown, and she jumps up and said, "Home run!" <laughs> <laughs> 
This was also the woman who put Victor Newman on the prayer list at church. That would be the the head of the family in Young and the Restless. Because <laughs> his kids were out to get him. Oh, my goodness. Y'all, I, I want to talk about the Vegas shooting real quick and ISIS's claim. Uh, New York Times reporter had a series of tweets last night. She is their top reporter on ISIS. And she is not dismissive of the claims that uh, the man converted because she said there have been more than two dozen times that ISIS has claimed that uh, someone did what they did because of ISIS. And she said it's worth noting there have been individuals who claimed that they converted and that they were doing what they did to honor ISIS, and ISIS has not uh, come out and said that it was done uh, for ISIS or on behalf of ISIS or with ISIS, that they've rejected the claim, that ISIS has in the past rejected claims of people saying they were doing it for ISIS. And there have been at least seven times, if I get it right, I think it was seven times, that ISIS has claimed responsibility for an attack and it took more than a year for the police and investigators to figure out the motive and in all seven cases, it was ISIS. In fact, according to this reporter, in two dozen times of ISIS taking credit for attacks, there have only ever been three times that ISIS took credit for an attack where investigators can find no proof that ISIS was involved, that there was an Islamic conversion related to ISIS. Only three times out of 24 was ISIS not actually responsible, as far as they can tell, for an attack. Seven times investigators said ISIS was not responsible, and it turned out they were uh, through subsequent investigation. I think that's something we need to keep in mind here. I do. I think that's something that we have to pay attention to, that we have to wonder about, that we have to take seriously, because ISIS doesn't do this every time. It's actually not a common occurrence. There's another story that has come out now in the last hour that federal authorities have unsealed criminal charges against three men who plotted bombings and shootings last year in New York City to support ISIS. The three defendants are Abdulrahman al-Basawi, a 19-year-old Canadian, Tala Haroun, a 19-year-old American living in Pakistan, and Russell Salik, a 37-year-old Philippine, Filipino. The Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office says the three men plotted to conduct bombings in heavily populated areas of New York City, including in Times Square and the subway system. They plotted to shoot civilians at specific concert venues. They were planning to carry out the attacks during Ramadan, the holiest month of the Islamic calendar, in 2016. Where these are only coming to light now from unsealed uh, investigations. Uh, what stands out there for me, as it probably does for you, is that they were planning attacks at music concerts. I am not saying that the shooter in Vegas converted, as ISIS claims. I am not saying he did what he did on behalf of ISIS. 
What I am saying is that given the number of guns he had, the coordination it appears he had with others, uh, the mysterious women who moved through the crowd telling people they were going to die, the fact that he rigged his car to explode, and on and on, uh, the man knew things outside his skill level based on what we know of him, and he had to learn them from somewhere. There is a lot about this case that we don't know still, and we shouldn't be dismissive of that because we want to be about ISIS. Now... I was supposed to meet the family over in Carrollton tonight, and we've kind of changed our schedule because um, the eight-year-old has been under the weather. So we'll we'll head over there later this weekend. They got a four-day weekend. Uh, I have been living on the road for a week. I've got to live on the road again next week. And last night at the SAFT event, I, I you know I try to use my good manners, and and when a lady comes up to me to introduce herself, I try to stand up. And I stood up last night to introduce myself to a lady who'd come over to, to say hi to me. And as I did, I suddenly realized that awkwardly the bottom of my suit coat had sunk into the butternut squash soup. Yeah. And I got it all wiped off and you couldn't tell that it was there. And then this morning I loaded up stuff to take to the dry. I had to find a dry cleaner in Atlanta. Uh, which actually isn't as easy as it sounds because they're all in inconvenient locations. And then happened to look, and, I mean, it looked like there was a yellow baby throw-up all down my pants leg this morning that everyone was too polite to tell me was there last night or they didn't see it. <laughs> oh, so I had to ex- explain to the nice little Chinese lady who barely spoke English and had to make me spell my first name three times to get it in her computer that, that it was soup. <laughs> And by the way, you know Seinfeld Soup Nazi? I think I have found the, the dry cleaner version of it because I wanted I wanted my shirt dry clean, and she kept telling me, no, no. <laughs> I, had to, I had to wet clean them. And she finally explained to me that she was doing me a favor, that it was actually uh, cheaper for me to, to go that route, except for with one of the shirts, that uh, the TV lady at Fox managed to get makeup all on the inside of my shirt, which I didn't realize. Uh, but I just kept saying I wanted to drag it. No, no. <laughs> she finally explained. It's nice as could be, but there was just a momentary uh, translation problem. We need a more effective Siri to deal with these things. My goodness. When we come back, I'm really not done for the night. There is more to go through, including what else are they looking for in Stephen Paddock's hotel suite? Uh, They're actually, this is the first time I've used his name on the program since the shooting. But investigators, well, they keep finding interesting things. It's almost time for me to go home for the first time in a week after I go to dinner and finally have a celebratory beer for getting back to Georgia. I'm not sure what I'm going to have. Reformation Brewery, Monday night, Sweetwater, all of the above, behold the healing power of and. I don't know. We'll see. Before we get out of here, though, there has been a lot of stuff written today about the shooter in Las Vegas and what was and was not found. One of the stories that has come out has been that there was a phone charger in his room that did not match his brand of phone. Uh, The Las Vegas police this evening are saying that's not true. They have matched. He had multiple phones. They were all his, and they've matched them. One of the other stories that has come out is that uh, someone entered his room using his key card after uh, his death. The Las Vegas police are saying that is not true either. And based on just the hallway footage, 
that no one entered that room other than him, so there were not other people in the room, contrary to earlier reports and, and people who claim to have heard people in the room. Much of what we still know is in flux. What we do know is that we do not know why he did it. We know that ISIS is claiming responsibility, but there is no, there was no letter of intent. There was no, no note, no nothing um, from this guy. It just seems completely like a random act. Whether or not it was, we don't know. Also, the reports that he did rig his car to explode, they're saying this evening wasn't true.